TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. It's Monday, and I guess you know what that means. It's time for another episode of A Changing Attitude, where we revisit the Attitude Era of WWF and see if it was just as good as we think it was. I am Mags, today's host, and with me, as always, are the draw, the new football manager, uh, star Premier League manager. Um, Ori, how are you? Um, I'm much better than I am at football managing. It's it did not go well. That was one of the that was probably one of the shortest streams I've ever done because it was that bad. Will you be revisiting it? I don't know. I, I really don't. <laughs> that, all, that always means no. I, I really I, like the more I was trying to get through it, I was I kind of felt like maybe I should have taken some advice and watched like a YouTube video beforehand, maybe some Omega Luke or something, because I mean, I get that I'm only five foot three, but I was in the like 10 foot waters. <laughs> it was so far over my head. I was trying really hard. It was not working very well at all. So back to Outriders. Um, Actually, we might be doing some Warframe. Hubby and I, uh, Warframe is free to play. It's a lot of fun. Um, most of what you do is in groups when you're playing through the campaign. Mm -hmm. And then I think it's got a PvP mode that you can unlock later. But it's really fun. It's uh, Outriders I'm, I'm very much outdone with right now, um, despite the improvements that they've made. So uh, Outriders will probably be on the shelf again for, for some time. Okay. So. So definitely go and check out Ori on Twitch there uh, for a, a football manager prowess. And join us again this week, uh, the Kent's very own Scottish Danny. Danny, how are you, sir? Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me on yet again. Uh, I'm doing good. Excited to get into today's uh, Raw episode. Yeah, no, very close to uh, um, a milestone in your podcasting, uh, podcasting world. Ninth episode on a podcast. Oh, yeah, definitely. Next week is the Big Ten. Really looking forward to it. Oh, good. So next week we'll have Tanner back just in case. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's been great having you on board. Yeah, we've, we've, uh, I know that Ori and I have both really enjoyed uh, having you on there. And again, we massively appreciate you coming in and filling, uh, filling the shoes of Tanner whilst he's on his, uh, his extended hiatus. Um, his boots, if you will. Oh, no. His boots and his 10-gallon hat. An oatmeal cream pie. Oh, God, don't start that again. <laughs> Delicious. By God. <laughs> You're terrible. So, so <laughs> we are hot on the way to um, uh, In Your House, It's Time. Uh, and we're now on the, the Raw from the 2nd of December, 1996. We have 
gone through it feels like just two minutes ago that we actually did the first ever episode and we're we're nearly the end of 1996 it's gone so so quick and i suppose that's because we're we're enjoying doing it so much what do you think Corey? yeah definitely you know and i like how we've kind of matched these episodes up with you know current content you know as of today's recording today is december the 11th we're watching the show from december 2nd so while it's not exact it's we're literally watching these almost 15 18 years later however much it is i'm not doing the math 25 got 25 mm-hmm. see that's why i don't do math <laughs> that's probably why i'm crap at football manager because i can't do the math <laughs> So this uh this episode of Raw was in was still in the block uh recordings from New Haven, Connecticut, uh from the New Haven Coliseum. Uh what is the number on the Peacock app, Ori? That is gonna be season four, episode forty-seven. Awesome. And we instantly get into a match, uh pretty much the same as we uh we did last week. Uh going off a kind of like the AW standard where we're going to a hot match and we have a uh, flash funk coming out to, uh, to the entrance, uh, dancing his way down the aisle with his, uh, funkadactyls, funkadactyls, shall we call them that? Funk- well, no, they were the funkettes. I mean, I was playing but, off the word. Yeah, you're the not wrong. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The funkadactyls were uh, with Brothers Clay. Uh, they, were, they were. Some were called my mama. Like, the funkadactyls. <laughs> it was and funkadactyls the early years. The, the Genesis. Originals. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's got some some snarty moves as uh, as Mr. Funk. Pretty uh pretty uh good good on his toes uh but he's facing the goon uh in the first match um still cannot stand those uh uh ass skate style boots it looks like the the form on the bottom of those boots uh, it it must be uncomfortable to work in like wrestling yeah. in, in high heels yeah i can't so, even walk in high heels half the time I, I just don't do it or at the very least platforms mm-hmm. like it's just not easy, not comfortable. Would rather not. Yeah, and uh, because of those those boots and the kind of the lumbering way that he has to wrestle, it's a very basic match, especially to to start out. Some very rudimentary wrestling, hip tosses, elbow drops, uh, things like that. But uh, when uh, Flash Funk gets some uh, offense in, he's He's so good with the hard spots. You see him doing the the moon salts, uh, and then um, his finisher apparently is called the tumbleweed, and it's a essentially a, a twisting moon salt into a leg drop, which I think is a a pretty uh, pretty cool match. But Danny, what did uh, what do you think of this opener? Oh, it was a really good match. Uh, from if you count it as just the match, and you ignore the constant cutaways to Shawn Michaels, uh, <laughs> which I uh, really didn't like. But um, did you also see Vince McMahon dancing at uh, during the entrance? I didn't see it, but I heard it, and I heard <laughs> King slagging him off <laughs> yeah, very much about King, that. Oh and, <laughs> and here was the other thing that I caught on commentary. I know all of us, including the people in the WWE, have joked for years that Vince has a toupee, and then he laughs about it and says he doesn't. But at this point, he basically confirms it. Like, he says, careful, you'll, you'll dance your toupee off. Yeah, I might. And then King says something about, 
Uh, I wish you would have worn your your toupee with the dreadlocks. That would have really made a scene. Yeah, it really would have, wouldn't it, Kate? <laughs> like, oh, so we're we're just going with the toupee thing. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I so we got that, toupee confirmed. <laughs> I thought that I thought that that was kind of like King, um, kind of proving that Vince doesn't really listen to his core commentator and that he just mm. reacts on the fly, like seeing how far he could push. Yeah, that's there's probably a lot of truth to that as well. Yeah. But I mean, I also really enjoyed Flash Funk. He did a lot of these reversal type moves mm-hmm. in this match. I mean, the first one that we get is um, the goon running. The, well, he actually threw Flash Funk into the corner and then went to run after him to pin him in the corner. And Flash goes up and over. And you think it's just going to be a general legs up, pop himself over and land. But he didn't. He actually twisted in midair, caught the goon around the waist with his legs and then flipped him over. It was almost like a Panama summarized Canadian destroyer type move, but he twisted in the air to where instead of front to back, he was back to front. I'm, I'm not explaining that very well, but it was a very, it was very interesting move. And he did a lot of those, even in the, the tumbleweed finisher move that he did, it was very much a reversal Mm-hmm. You know, reverse in midair or spin in midair type move. And it was really, really interesting. It was basically like a backflip into a leg drop. Yeah. Is what that tumbleweed was. And it was really, really interesting. Yeah. Um they, there's a little spot in in the middle of the match where uh Vince and, and Jerry uh have some sad news. They announced the 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 passing of of Tiny Tim, uh who who uh back in 1993 had a had a little role in uh in, in the WWF and Lola um, basically laughs at, at, at the time when Lola broke his ukulele and made him cry. Um, no sympathy whatsoever from Lola, just proper, just, he just come across as a, as an absolute bastard for, for not having any sympathy about the passing of this, uh, about of this guy. I mean, I don't know anything of tiny him outside this little uh, running WWF he had, but they just felt a little bit callous by, by Jerry. The, the whole night, the whole night. It wasn't just in this match. He made mm-hmm. several comments throughout the night, but it was just, oh, yeah, just typical. <laughs> Tiny Tim got popular because of a very interesting singing voice. Um, he he was the one that would sing tiptoe to, through the tulips with a oh, very high okay. pitch with the ukulele, and he had a lot of vibrato is what it's called to his voice. And so it would come out sounding, I'm going to kind of move back from my mic so this isn't so loud. It's it's that kind of thing where the the voice kind of trembles. It's it's called vibrato. Mm -hmm. And so that's that why it got popular, I have no freaking clue, but it did because he he was a very tall man. He had a very strange and interesting look. And somehow putting all of that together just worked for him. So he had his you know, quick little 15, 20 minutes of fame. And I guess the WWE brought him in. I I had no knowledge or if I did, I had completely forgotten that. So there, you know, we see shots later. I know this is skipping ahead of uh, interactions between King and Tiny Tim in the past back in 1993 when the popularity was really, really hitting. And so, but that's what Tiny Tim was very much known for. 
So that that's the the track on Insidious, I think the the horror movie. <laughs> Quite possibly, I, I I don't do horror movies. I'm a giant chicken. <laughs> I love all things spooky and creepy, but watching a a horror movie, it messes with me really really bad. I I, I don't know why. So I don't. I like the idea of horror movies. I don't like the crap scared out of me. <laughs> I'm the complete opposite. I've uh, loved horror films since I was five. Yeah, and, uh, uh, we just... love horror films. <laughs> I just—it's way too young to start watching it, but I'm, I'm a big collector in uh, horror films as well. So, yep, same here. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. So let's get back to this show then. Uh, uh, we have a, a little bit of a um, uh, footage from the, the tour in the, in the UK, and we see uh, Steve Austin uh, hitting... Sarko Sid from behind. Um, but um, they keep kind of drip feeding us this information throughout the show, kind of almost like um, a way to stop people turning over to, to Nitro because as we'll go through the show, it's quite obvious that with the, the tour happening in the in the UK, this was certainly it felt like a B level show, like we had the B level players in the in this uh so the the, the kind of drip feed footage was to to keep the viewers from essentially flipping over to Nitro, uh, whether it worked at the time, um, I'm sure the the ratings would would suggest otherwise. But yeah, we then go into uh, into the next match, um, which is Phineas Godwin taking on D- oh, Diesel. Um, I've well actually got Diesel. Yeah, and I've I've actually got to give Diesel props in this because he looks. Really good. I mean, in the time that we've seen him as Diesel, he's really kind of bulked out in terms of muscle mass, uh, especially on his chest. Um, when he came in, he looked a little bit, and it's, it's ironic coming from me, but he, he looked a little bit like he was carrying a bit of timber, but now he's he's looking really kind of buff. Um, don't save this match, though. Uh, yeah, this is a a poor attempt at a Hoss match. Um we uh we get the the distraction um from from Razor to come in and and uh essentially stop uh, the the slop drop uh which is enough uh, for for diesel to hit the jack nap or, or uh what did you think of a uh, of 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 this hoss fat like <sighs> I will say Did you just have a stroke then. I kind of kind of felt like it because watching this match killed me. It, it just wasn't great. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not calling him Diesel. Kane looked good. Like not only physically, he moved a lot better. Mm-hmm. You know, he sold a lot better. He looked his attacking moves worked a lot better. The the whole match in and of itself, while overall it was shit, it looked a lot better than what we've seen previously from Kane. I can't call him Diesel. He's not freaking Diesel. 
I can't even write it down as like if I write diesel in my notebook it or razor, it comes with quotation marks. As as well it should. Because it's just not. It's cane. And and no amount of makeup, spray tan, costuming, hair. yeah, hair or hair dye is going to make me and I'll be completely honest. Maybe it's my own bias because I do know him as Kane. I've only ever known him as Kane. But yeah, it's it's fucking Kane, man. I can't. <laughs> I just fucking can't. And you can't make me. I'm sorry. Well, you know what? I'm not sorry. Screw that. I mean, we 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 won't see much more of him in this uh, in this uh, iteration. I think he uh, they may pop up a couple of times in January, but it's soon being wrought off. But uh, Danny, um, what did you think of uh, of Phineas Godwin versus Kane? Well, I, I agree with both of you. Kane looked really good in this match. Um, I remember reading somewhere years ago that Kane around this time wasn't far off being fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the obviously this gimmick wasn't getting over. Uh, I can only imagine the boat that they would have missed if had they fired him. But um, yeah, I agree. I can't call him Diesel either, or even even fake Diesel. Um, I was he was even doing moves that the future his future character would do, like the clothesline and uh, the power bomb and stuff like that. And there was one mat, there was one spot in this match where he tried to pick up. Uh, Godwin and uh, he, but he did he did get quite far and then he power bombed him. It was quite good. What mm-hmm. did you think of that spot? Yeah, the the Jack Nath, Um He's the 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 way Kevin Nash does a Jack Nath is he lifts like half the way up of a, a normal power bomb and then lets him drop. Mm. This this to me looked like Kane kind of was struggling to get Phineas up and then just uh, got that little last burst of energy to just make sure he got the uh, got the the whole of the 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 move off rather than dropping finish on on his head. Um, yeah. I thought the match was an absolute dud. I, I I was very very bored. I mean, I was talking to you, Danny, uh, before we start recording, saying how I had to go back uh, uh, quite a number of times because I was losing interest. And this was one of the matches uh, that was uh, making me lose interest, apart from one move. And it was uh, when uh, Phineas did like a an almost a delayed back suplex and. It's almost like he did it in slow motion on 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 Kane, but I thought that that really looked crisp. But then we got the 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 um, the interference from Razor, uh, which led to the finish. Yeah, it was three minutes that it again it kind of nails down that this is this is the B show. All the the big stars were away in 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 uh, in the UK, uh, and they they were just throwing together a show that. that with just whoever was left. Um, so going on from that, we have the uh, the the Shawn Michaels interview that uh, that Vince has uh, has promised us uh, a couple of times, and essentially he's he sat in the in in the the WWF studios, um, a lot more calmer and composed than he was uh, with his uh, interview with um, Jose Lothario, um, and kind of uh, he's a little bit apologetic, I suppose, saying uh, that. Um, he 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 felt like he was def- uh, the fans thought he was defensive, and he apologised. But he's going to be even more defensive. Um, 
He said that he puts on the best shows and he doesn't mind getting booed. Uh, he thinks he's going to win the title back. So essentially just uh, uh, an interview to to, to push uh, Shawn Michaels still in, into like the forefront of the title picture uh, and that he's... Uh, his uh, match um, in, at the Royal Rumble is going to win. The Royal Rumble, I think, this year was was at the Alamo Dome uh, in Texas. So essentially, it was the, it would have been his 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 hometown. Um, Danny, what did you think about this interview compared to the one we got last week? Night and day, completely night and day. It was like a, a completely different person. I mean, last week it was like he was going off the rails and things like that, but. Um, he came off a lot better here, and uh, he he kept saying he's a man's man. Did you catch that? Mm-hmm. And um, it was like, yes, like I didn't. Was this was he going to be the future Stephen Regal's gimmick? If you remember, <laughs> coming out with a hard hat on and a, yeah. and a, a lumberjack shirt. He's yeah. a man. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But um, yeah, it was a lot better uh, this week, and um, yeah. Ore, uh, did you prefer this uh, this Michaels interview, or did you prefer the 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 setting from Jose Lothario's home with his fake fireplace and fake windows? I don't know that I preferred either. It, it really felt like <laughs> they both sucked. <laughs> well, it felt like he was saying a lot of words, but not really saying anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he, he's like, I'm sorry, I wasn't defensive enough. Like they're really trying to push this narrative of Shawn Michaels being a heel, but it's, I don't know that he's a heel or a face at this point. I can't get behind him as either one. And like, and and I, you know, we've talked about this. I understand what they're doing. I understand why they're doing it, but and I think it comes back to Sid, despite the fact how over he is, now that he has the championship belt, he feels more like a heel to me. Mm-hmm. You know, not long after this, um, w- we get the shots from the the backstage commentary from London. And while it's still Sid and while he's still psycho, there's parts of it that do not it's like they were almost trying to make him an earlier version of Steve Austin as an anti-hero. And it's just not working. They've got a good idea. It's just not quite solidified. So maybe this is why Austin got built the way he was because people were getting behind him in the way that Sid was. But I, I don't know. Austin is such a different character like there's a lot of similarities there between his relation their relationships to the crowd and their characters but for some reason Sid's just not going over in any way the way they want him to you know they're like oh the crowd's behind him they're excited about him we'll push him as a face and have Sean be the heel but Sean, at the same time, still has too much of the crowd behind him. It, it's very convoluted and not in a good way. Mm-hmm. There's a way to do it and have it be multifaceted and complex and still have it work. But this wasn't it. I, I, I can't get a read on either one of them. 
And I guess it's just the the fact that though even Sh- even though Sean's supposed to be the heel, it's like he doesn't push it quite far enough. He's not mean enough or aggressive enough to really be a good true heel in the way that Triple H has been, or even Stone Cold Steve Austin has been. I think that's why when you see, you know, when we see later on when Hunter and Sean get together for DX, he works better as more of a comedy heel. Does that make sense? Because just a straight aggressive heel and, and I don't want to make this shot, but he's just so small. There's nothing intimidating about him, whether it's his size, whether it's his attitude you know, yeah, he can come off as an asshole, but that doesn't make him someone aggressive that I would be frightened of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he just works better as a comedy heel than just a straight heel. And I don't think that this is probably this whole setup is probably where they start to realize that that Shawn Michaels as a heel just isn't really working. Yeah, and I, th- I think you 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 hit the nail on the head with the the reason why it wasn't working. It's because Sid is so much bigger than than Shawn Michaels that he, that Shawn Michaels doesn't look like a threat to him. Uh, and I think it's always hard to have monster uh, wrestlers as faces. They always are naturally a, a heel because that they are the the dominant bullies. Uh, you just can't see Shawn Michaels as someone who can dominate a guy the size of Sid. And I think the the times he's worked really well as a heel up to this uh, to this point is when he's had one of those monsters in his corner. When he had Sid in his corner or when he had um, uh, Diesel in his corner, that's when he was a really good cocky uh, heel because he had the backup. When he's on his own, you're right. I think you, you hit the nail on the head. He doesn't come off as intimidating enough. And that's when you go to the, the comedy or the, the snarder heel. And we, I don't think we're just there yet. Um, and you also, I think you, you made a really good point about the Sid uh, experiment not working. He was he was massively hot. I mean, we've said it on this show multiple times. He was the hottest uh, wrestler on, on Raw every single week. Since he's had the title, and it's only been um, a few weeks, it, a, a title on a face, especially a face the size of, of Sid, just doesn't work. He has to be that that cocky uh, heel. And luckily, we we get, we later on in the show we get like a almost a heel style promo, and then with the the interludes from the shows in in the UK, um, he kind of starts showing his his heel tendencies. I think WWE knew that he would eventually have to go back to being a heel. Um, but what, one thing I did find interesting, I suppose, in, in this promo is that WWE are already promoting the pay-per-view after its time. Um, really kind of like, doesn't make you think that the uh, the the in your house is going to be that important if they're already looking ahead of it. It's uh, yeah, quite jarring for, for, for WWE there. Uh, but after that, we go into another match. Uh, two guys who we haven't seen for a few weeks. Uh, the real Jesse James taking on uh, Justin Hawk Bradshaw with uh, with good old Uncle Zebekiah. Um, Jesse James essentially singing to the ring. Um, uh, this match, though, oh, 
this is was I did not enjoy this match at all. This was another match where I had to keep going back and uh and rewinding. Um I don't think um Jesse's quite there in terms of the, the charisma of 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 the raw dog that we see later on in his career. Um the the move set is getting there, but there's still uh still kind of a, a little bit of a greenness, maybe, or a, a little bit of a he just doesn't quite know his character. Uh, Bradshaw does come off as uh, as a good kind of bruiser, though, uh, with those power moves, and especially when he hits that that massive uh, lariat for the for the finish. But uh, Danny, uh, let us know your thoughts on on Jesse James versus Bradshaw. As you said, Mags, both. I mean, well, Jesse James was very green, but I felt Bradshaw was very green at this time as well. Um, I had never seen him in this character. I'm used to the JBL character we'd seen mm-hmm. we see in the future. But um, this, how many clotheslines were in this match? There was a lot, wasn't there? And um, yeah, I think both. I mean, both of these guys in the Attitude Era were massive. The APA uh, with tag teams, obviously, but. I mean, uh, yeah, I actually did enjoy uh, parts of this. I enjoyed the finish because I was shocked it didn't end in a disqualification, especially with a manager outside. Um, Mm -hmm. I was expecting a DQ, but I actually enjoyed that they had a a strong uh, finish. Yeah. Yeah, and and that strong finish was obviously to set up uh, next week's show, uh, because we later on in the show, we get uh, Jesse James on picture in picture, uh, saying he wants to take them both on in a two on one match. Jesus Christ, you just got your ass whipped by one of them. Um, having an extra person in the match is, is not going to do you any favors. But, uh, Ori, um, were you a fan of, of this match? Yes, and no. Okay, I will say that I felt Jesse James looked good. I'm still not with Bradshaw. I, I I don't know. Maybe my my taste for him has soured over the years, especially as we got the Bradshaw that that we got in later years of the ruthless aggression, and then um, before he retired from in ring action. I, I'm perfectly willing to admit my own bias, um, but I will say that despite the meh action in the ring and Jesse. While albeit looking green, looking decent, he looked quite good. I like that he lost. I don't think that challenge is a very smart thing, but I like that he lost. You know, because for one, we haven't heard anything about Jesse James, the real Double J, in quite a few weeks. So you're bringing him back. You're letting him sing to the sing, quote unquote, to the ring. You're refreshing that information in people's minds, but you're not automatically giving him the win. You're letting him build some information. You drop this other information that Jeff Jarrett's potentially in the back watching over the match or something of that nature. And so you're you're giving that time to Jesse James to, again, remind everybody what's going on there, giving him time to build up. And then not automatically pushing him to the moon, giving that mm-hmm. that time to to ferment and build and marinate and all those wonderful words that mean all the same thing. 
Yeah, no, I was I, trying I, to think of some more, but the ferment <laughs> and marinade were the only two I had. <laughs> I mean, fermenting and marinating by God sounds like an oatmeal cream pie oh, right there. Um, but yeah, I think I think you're right. I think um, it it was uh, the right move to have Bradshaw win. I mean, the last few times we've seen him, he's lost in matches to to Savio Vega. He's lost to Austin, uh, and. Yeah, as a monster kind of a brute force, he he was looking a little bit shaky. Uh, and then, like I said, we haven't seen Jesse James um, in a while. And I think the the way the finish was set up with uh, Zebekaya grabbing his legs, uh, leading him into into the clothesline from hell, that kind of works. And it also works in in kind of um, getting uh, a fire lit under Jesse James' ass to to make the challenge, I suppose. So. Uh, it makes sense. It just if the match wasn't for me. I just didn't find it that entertaining. But the, the a match that I did find entertaining um, was the latest round of the Karate Fighters Holiday Tournament. Um, yeah, we didn't get the match we were meant to get. Um, no, Psycho Sid, obviously, because he's he's champion. He's got other duties. Um, we find out that Mister Perfect uh, is also out. Yeah, but that's because he's he's left the company. He's <laughs> he's gone. Um, so we get a double swerve where uh, essentially Jerry Lawler uh, and Todd Pettengill, uh, the horse of this tournament, um, are actually competitors. Um, Lawler wins, which means he oh this is going to be brutal. He gets to face Sable next week in the finals. That's going to be fun. No, it's not. <laughs> Did either um, of you notice um, that uh, when they mentioned Mr. Perfect, uh, baby uh, sound, cry, uh, baby crying sound played in the background? Mm-hmm. And, oh, uh, I missed that. Oh, and um, also the shot at Sid Vicious uh, with the king saying he just shows up when he pleases was uh, a direct um, thing of uh, Sid Vicious not. Uh, appearing at the post, uh, I think it was the day after the, of Survivor Series, he now showed a uh, press conference, and uh, I remember hearing that. Or I think it was on Bruce Pritchard's podcast, and Vince McMahon was not happy about that. So, I mean, you always hear those rumors about Sid Vicious not uh, showing up at events and things like that. But um, yeah, he, yeah, that was a direct he, shot. He um, he plays softball a lot. Or he's very big into softball, and mm-hmm. he put he always puts that over wrestling. So um, I would assume that there was a softball match, and he uh, he just no show. But can you imagine being the champion and then no showing the next press conference? But yeah, yeah. I did notice the the Mister Perfect one, uh, and that was a, a a dig at Perfect, essentially walking out of the company because the he didn't like the storylines that he was being booked in. Mm. Definitely. Um, so after that, we go back to uh, London and we uh, we we get more context about uh, the, the 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 Stone Cold stuff. Um, so he um, gets involved in in the match. Um, David Boy Smith comes comes out, uh, attacks Stone Cold, um, which leads to Psycho Sid getting disqualified. Um, Sid wants to take that out on Bulldog, gives him uh, goes for the the. Uh, the power bomb. Brett uh, essentially saves um, Bulldog. Um, Brett then got in the ring. They did a they did a little bit of a face off between the two competitors. Coming up at its time, uh, Brett gets a a choke slam for his truffle, troubles. Um, so yeah, it, it, essentially we get a 
some more context and more kind of Austin uh, getting involved in, in the storylines, kind of mixing it up and, and, and causing trouble. Uh, what did you two guys uh, think of uh, think of this this uh, little uh, video package from, from the good old UK, uh, Ori? It felt like filler. It was filler, wasn't it? It, it, was, it was certainly filler. <laughs> yeah, it, it was massive filler. It, I don't know. Like, it, it continued to push the storyline that it started last week, which was fine with that. Um, I did not dislike the promo that we got from Bulldog and Owen reminding him to stay focused. Mm-hmm. We've got the belts on the line at In Your House. It's time against Kane and razor blade <laughs> dull razor blade <laughs> like I, I, I like that aspect of it i was okay stone cold almost never cuts a bad promo so that was fine uh sid again a lot like sean michaels he's saying a lot of words but none of them really seem to mean anything <laughs> he stayed in character very well i'll give him that I mean, you the know. good thing with Sid promos is they, they, they take seconds rather than minutes. Yeah. And he, he, he gets in his, his uh, catchphrases uh, and then gets out. He, he, he's very efficient when it comes to bat work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's probably because he can't be bothered to wait around and he just wants to get home. <laughs> yeah, he's got, he's got a softball game to get to. <laughs> I mean, it's same time there is something to be said for less is more i mean Mm -hmm. undertaker is one of those that sometimes when he just has that presence and uses his words you know minimally but very succinctly with great inflection it does more than a whole you know 12 sentence diatribe paragraph you Mm -hmm. know so Say what you want about Sid. When he gets to the meat of it and just keeps it at one or two sentences, puts the right inflection behind it, puts the right. And and I mean, that's why when you look in, in the future and we get those episodes of Tough Enough, they have them go through acting classes and through improv classes because it's not as much. I mean, I've heard Mark Marrow talk about it in his, you know, life coaching things or whatever. It's not always the words that you say, it's the way that you say them and how you decide to interpret them. So with the right inflection and the right words used correctly and adding in your body language, it sometimes does more of a service than the words themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great segue into this main event. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Mark Miro is a... He's one of the stars of it. So Mark uh, and Jake Roberts tagging up after after last week's shenanigans uh, to take on um, essentially DX 1.0 with uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Billy Gunn. Um, yeah, um, main event again for Billy Gunn. Uh, doing pretty well in, in these roles in 1996. Um, Danny, what did you think of uh, of this main event? 
as a match, for me, it just went too long. I mean, uh, the what watching these... What, 14 minutes, something like that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> just that, definitely over 10 minutes. And... Uh, we we uh, I like seeing Billy Gunn all the time, but not not uh, not this much of him <laughs> in that not in this incarnation of him anyway. But um, I, there was a few things in the match. I mean, the King's commentary. I mean, I think even he got bored and just and he made eight Jake Roberts whatever you call them slurs jokes whatever. I I started counting the uh, thing and I got to eight when he's uh, saying. Wow. Um, Wow, Jake Roberts is a drunk and things like that. Um, yeah, th- as I said, this was just a surprisingly long match, but it did have a good finish to me. Uh, what did mm-hmm. you guys think? I couldn't get into this. I tried really hard, especially knowing it was Billy Gunn and Triple H tagging together. You know, like you said, DX the early years. I, I just, I don't know. I part of me really wanted to to be into this match and I just couldn't. I, I found myself distracted throughout. You know, we did get a little snippet in there that was not match related all, at all, saying that Taker was going to face Mankind next week in a no-holds-barred match. That was probably the most interesting information in the whole freaking match. Yeah, and I think this is the match as well where we get the, the picture-in-picture of uh, Jesse James challenging... Um, Bradshaw and Zebekaya to uh, to the the rematch next week, but yeah, I'm I'm along the same lines as, as both of you two. I felt that Billy Gunn was the odd man out in this match as well because he had no particular reason to be there. It felt like he, I know we got last week's shenanigans, but it felt like he had no particular reason to be there. This was this was just essentially to build. Hunter versus Mark Miro again, um, and I feel a little bit bad for Miro because. I, I had the, the the sense that he's cooled off from the kind of like hot streak he had in in the earlier part of 1996 to to winning the title and then uh, and then getting essentially screwed out of it by by Hunter and Perfect and then he's gone off the boil because we just haven't seen enough of this feud. Uh, but yeah, essentially the match is Triple H doing his level best to avoid having to to be in the ring with, with Mark Merrill, which, which means we see Billy Gunn doing the majority of the work. And for somebody uh, as as young to the business as Billy Gunn is, I've got to give him props. He made the match um, feel pretty, pretty kind of uh, energetic. Um, Jake Roberts uh, is not in the, the best of conditions, but he's still looked pretty decent in in uh when he, when he was in the ring. Uh, I like the way he went for the DDT pretty early to try and finish the match off quick uh but wasn't able to pull it off. Uh but it only really kind of picked up when when Mark Miro uh w- was in the ring. I thought that he was uh he was the the kind of energy in this match. And it's good that he got the finish uh especially when we get uh the uh the the kind of miscommunication between Billy and, and and trips leading to uh, Triple H saying, "If you don't like it, go." So Billy's like, "Okay, then see you later." <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, that leads to to Hunter being on his own, um, and he ends up taking the 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 wild uh, the wild thing for a finish. Um, so yeah, this this whole match kind of. It, it it was it was a rubber stamp for this whole show that it felt like a filler. It felt like this whole raw was a filler. 
because we didn't have the big stars here, we can't push we can't push the storylines in terms of matches here in, in on Raw. So we, we're getting snippets of the little bits of information via VT or via the commentary, and we're watching matches that should have been on superstars or should have been on uh wrestling challenge or something like that. Yeah, it's, it just felt like a, a bang sub-average uh, raw for me. Yeah, I, I, I kind of feel the same way. Mm-hmm. It, it felt like a very skippable episode. Yeah. I, I will see the the initial match with, while the goon wasn't altogether entertaining, uh, Flash Funk was. Mm-hmm. That, that was kind of like the highlight of the show for me. And uh, with King and Todd do, doing what they had to do for the holiday tournament, I'm completely out on that. Like, my interest in the, the last two holiday tournament matches I thought were great, and now I'm just done with it. Just get it over with. Wow. Wow. It's not going to be easy viewing next week, is it? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah, it, it just felt, this this role felt like a, a step backwards. After we um, trudged through um, the, the post-King of the Ring roles, and it felt like we were turning the corner when we got the the uh, the the start of of the the Austin run. Uh, we start seeing some actually really good wrestling, and now it feels like we're back in 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 July nineteen ninety six and, and watching absolute trap. But hopefully next week's episode will be much better, especially with that Justin Hope Bradshaw versus Jesse James rematch and another. Taker versus Mankind match this time a, a no holds barred because burying someone alive isn't enough. You've got to go for the the the, the feud ender is the no holds barred match. As oh. those of us who enjoy the show Supernatural would say, death is never the end. Mm-hmm. It's never no nobody stays dead. <laughs> yeah. So tune in to uh, change that to next week to hear that. That'd be the go home show then for. Um, uh, it's time, so... Um, uh, is it, or will there be one more? I feel like there'll be one more. No, I think uh, It's Time is on the 16th of December, so... Oh, it's on that, the 15th. It's on the 15th, the 15th. So, so, yeah. So, so we'll have next the... week, and then No Holds... Uh, not No Holds Barred. Um, it's Time. It's Time. Yeah. With no Vader. Even though it was the preview named specifically for right. him, but yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much all of this week's uh, raw done and dusted. Uh, all that it leaves us to do now is uh, is give the social. So, Danny, once again, a massive thank you for for filling uh, Tanner's boots. Uh, hopefully, not with oatmeal cream pie. Um, oh, but God. yeah, where can uh, where can the people find you, good sir? Thank you for that. And I just want to say thank you to the three of you. Um, really enjoying uh, being a guest on here. But um, as far as finding me, um, you can find me on Twitter at Scottish Juggler. I may not sound Scottish, but trust me, I am. Uh, I and, love uh, how you have to explain that. <laughs> and um, uh, that's mainly where I am, and either that or podcasts like this. And uh, that's, that's all the uh, social media I do. But um, thank you. And and the draw, where can uh, people find you, Mom? You can find me on Twitch, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at Ori the Draw. Yes, and definitely go and check her football manager um, <laughs> streams out. A lot of fun. A lot of screen. I'm going to have to get somebody in the stream on there with me to explain 
what the heck I'm doing because I ain't got a clue. It'd be cool if you could have a Twitch that's like TikTok where you can stitch together so you can like have them giving you advice. Well, I mean, this one say like I, you know, we use Streamyard to record this and do most of our live streams for a change in attitude, as well as all the stuff we do with Radio Techers. So, like, I could potentially put someone, you know, in into Streamyard and put my screen up, so that you know I could get some live, on hand advice as to what the heck I'm doing. Is not a clue, not a, <laughs> nowhere even close to a clue. You will get there. Just stick at it. Stick at it. I don't um, wanna. <laughs> in terms of me, you can follow me on Twitter at Podfather Mags. Follow Tanner at Texas Gentleman underscore and follow this show at ACIA Podcast. Um, go and check out all the rest of the amazing content here on, on the chair shot. We've been doing um amazing numbers over the last few uh, months. Uh Mr. Mr. DeMarco, the the head honcho uh, uh, chair shot is massively, massively pleased, and yeah, we uh, we thank you all for for listening. Uh, but also check out the content on the on the website, thechairshot.com, where you can find uh, 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 opinion pieces uh, and analysis for wrestling and, and news. Uh, it's a, a great source for any kind of wrestling content that you need. Um, also, it's uh, I mean, by the time this episode drops, it will probably be just past Christmas. So why not go over to the the Pro Wrestling Tees slash the Chair Shot and see if there's a a sale on. Get yourself some post Christmas uh, goodies, uh, including a, a Chair Shot three sixteen T shirt. Uh, plenty of uh, great content. And get them in soft style uh, in honor of uh, the Twitterless heroine Miranda Morales. Uh, but yeah, uh, thank you all for for listening and we will speak to you all next week and remember when you are watching a change of attitude or watching when you are listening to a change of attitude (laughs) you must always use your head ShareShot.com. Always use your head. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.